Mark Dunnigan, what do you like about beach hikes here near our beach house? Well, um, it's like the beach is different every day. When you spend quite a bit of time at the coast, you realize how much the ocean alters the beach. Is that there are times there's no sand. Then the next morning, all the sand is back. And then it's been shaped and contoured. And all of a sudden, you got like a five-foot drop where it was all level the night before. That's one thing I like. Yeah. I mean, it varies on times of year. Time all of kinds of things. Times of day. Also, the sun hits it differently yeah. constantly. There's been times I've gone down. It's like, oh, I guess there isn't a beach today. Well, and also the water, depending on the lighting, yeah. The water's a different color. The sky will make it look green or dark blue or gray. And every sunset's different. Mm-hmm. All right, Mark. So let's dig in here to Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. He will say, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Mm, so this is the Apostle Paul, Yes. Yes, it is. It's interesting. He says, not that I have already obtained it. And that goes back in the chapter. And I think what we need to realize is that there's a number of these things that he did have presently. That is, he talked about it. He wanted to be found in him and he wanted the uh, righteousness based on faith and to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. Well, I think we would say when Paul writes this letter, Paul has a number of those things already, but I think it's in the sense of he hasn't maxed it out. Right. There's still more that could be added to that, that the Christian life is a life of continual growth. Yeah. So not that I've already obtained it. So asked to be immune to the possibility of losing God's plan to resurrect me on the last day. Right. So when he says, or have already become perfect, is that saying that like eventually he's going to be perfect? Or what can you tell us about our idea in the English language of perfect compared to often how the biblical writers used the word perfect? Often they used it not in the sense of something that was flawless, that nothing could be added to, but rather something that was like mature or a reach. Complete? A, yeah, mature or complete. And even even though Paul was an amazing Christian, and obviously he's right with God and saved and etc., Paul is not one to rest on the past or to say, you know, I've come up to this plateau of growth, and I think I'm just going to rest here. Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm doing way better than pretty much everybody else. I'm doing better than the next guy. Yeah. Isn't that all that matters? <laughs> no. So he presses on. I mean, I think we need to find this inspiring that we keep trying with all of our might. I think right now, and a, a lot of denominations, I think, teach like, all the work is done. You don't need to lift a finger. And that manifests itself out in, unfortunately, some of the lives of the people in those denominations. Yeah. If you just tell people you're fine the way you are, mm-hmm. come as you are, you're fine as you are, mm-hmm. Jesus did everything, well, what sort of, I mean, what sort of lives are you going to have? He's pressing on like an athlete, like somebody that is on a marathon. This pressing on is an energetic endeavor. Well, it's not the only place we find it. Jesus would say in the book of Luke 13, when someone said, hey, are there only a few people going to end up in heaven? He would say, strive to enter by the narrow door. Strive. And Paul will use that language over in 1 Corinthians 9. He compares himself to an athlete Mm -hmm. who, man, I'm not just beating at the air, you guys, running hard for the tape. 
uh, running to win. Yeah. And the Hebrew writer talks about that too in Hebrews chapter 12. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the yeah. sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So, you know, run the win. So, Christian, if you are on the battlefield and you are panting to get your breath spiritually, maybe you're doing the right thing, you know? Absolutely. It's okay. Yeah, you're going to expend yourself on something. You are expending yourself for the single most worthy grassroots problem solving, eternity beautifying endeavor that a human can experience. Don't let anyone tell you you're trying too hard. Well, first of all, people don't do that in other areas. People don't go up to professional athletes and go like, "Hey, you're tr- you're trying too hard." Right. They don't go up to engineers or heart doctors like, you know, you're putting too much into your trying to save people's lives. Or they lives. accuse them, Mark, <laughs> of, "Oh, are you thinking that this whole thing is by works?" That accusation flies around. That, oh, if you are diligent in your Christianity, you must not understand grace. Right, and I think the devil loves that idea. Yeah. Because that, you're not going to find that in the New Testament. You're going to find the New Testament emphasizes grace, and it equally emphasizes strive. Yeah, they are not in competition yeah. to each other. God's grace opens the opportunity for you to strive. We saw that earlier in the letter. God is at work in you, but it also says work out your own salvation. Yeah. You, you've got a role to play. Besides markets fulfilling, when you think about it, I mean, I've read stories, I, I think about Lewis and Clark, like during the struggle... This man who was kind of given to depression, he didn't have time to think about that. But then once all his striving and his pressing on was done, he ended up so depressed that he took his own life. So I'm bringing all that (laughs) rabbit trail up to say this. Your brain is created to strive and to press on and excel still more. You, even though your body probably doesn't agree sometimes you were born for this he will say and the purpose of this is so that i may lay hold of that for which also i was laid hold of by christ jesus that is i press on i seek to become all that jesus intended for me to become he selected me to be a witness to be an apostle to go out and preach and deliver people out of darkness and I want to fully fulfill that mission. Yeah. And so we can read about that mission back in Acts 26, 13 through 18, when Paul is laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Here's how that went down. About noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road and I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, unquote. Then he'll say, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. That is, I haven't reached uh, the plateau, the perfect plateau. Uh, There is still work to do. Mm -hmm. But one thing I do, 
I like that. One thing I do. Uh, that's all about focus. Mm-hmm. What one thing should I do above all else? Well, he kind of answers that here. Someone said knowledge is addition, but wisdom is subtraction. Knowledge is where you're just adding things to your head. Wisdom is the ability to know what should I keep? Mm. <laughs> what should I get rid of? Mm. Or act upon, right? Yes. So, you know, uh, I mean, what's the one thing I need to do right now? Yep. And Paul says, here's the one thing I focus on, forgetting what lies behind. And part of that could be that Paul was a persecutor of the church. That's a painful memory. And, and he, he didn't forget it in the sense of amnesia. You just can't develop amnesia over stuff like that. And the Bible's not requiring that. But I think it's like, I'm going to repent of it. I'm forgiven of it. I'm not going to let that hold me back. Right. Or, or I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Like, well, look at what I was, and so I can never do any better, you know. Yeah. And then also, I think another part of forgetting what lies behind is this, this man had established churches. He converted a lot of people thus far, but he's not going like, you know, look what I've done, and I think I can coast for a while. Yeah. He's not going to rest on past accomplishments. Yes. There's a lot of people listening to this, Mark, that have painful things that they're leaving behind in order to follow Christ. And so maybe you can relate to Paul, but have you killed a bunch of Christians? Probably not. But if God can forgive Paul for what lay behind him, God can forgive you too. So we're encouraging you to also, whatever's behind you, leave it behind. Well, and I think Paul would, he worded it over in 1 Timothy 1, about 13 through 16. He describes what he had been before he becomes a Christian. And he says, but God was merciful to me. And he says, and I was the chief of sinners. And I think the thought is like, hey, if the chief of sinners, if the yeah. worst sinner, if the worst sinner can change, then everybody else is without excuse for not changing. You can totally see God's wisdom in choosing Paul because he was at once what you just described, the chief of sinners, so that everyone else that's has figured that they have sinned above average, they can look on Paul and be encouraged. And he's that example of the perfect Jewish man, so that people that are tempted to trust in their Judaism also in the life of Paul. They have that excuse taken away from them. What I love here, Mark, is this phrase, and reaching forward. I mean, you can really see a spiritually athletic strain going on here. Yeah, it means to to stretch yourself out like every nerve, Mm -hmm. uh, living full out, going hard for the tape. Yeah, that's what reaching forward, that's what the word means here. That's that's the word that the Holy Spirit Uh said. I'm going to throw that in there to let you know, yeah. Uh, live all out for God. Mm-hmm. In anticipation of eternal life in the presence of God. I mean, that's what the that's what the tape is. That's what's at that finish line is eternal life in the presence of God. The next verse continues a thought. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus, and the prize is to be with Jesus. But again, and we've talked about this a number of times. I think there's about three places we find in this section the idea of strive. Okay. Press on. Reach out. Strain every nerve. Clearly, Paul would not buy into what's often presented as Christianity in the culture today of this kind of like, hey, don't worry, everyone's going to make it sort of thing. You got to keep your momentum. (laughs) You need to energetically maintain your momentum. That is the key to success here. Well, what goal? I mean, everyone's pressing towards the goal. The goal. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's not like um, a goal. It's the goal. So I know sometimes people say, well, 
man, I can't live that way. Well, wait a minute. I see you giving a hundred percent for some earthly goal. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you can't do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can give whatever you love, whatever you fall in love with. You can give a you can give a hundred percent for that. That's not the key. A lot of people in sin are giving a hundred percent. They're yeah. pressing on. They're pressing towards the goal, right? Uh, whatever the goal they're trying to follow, and so. It really is the decision to choose the right goal. Yes, the grandest of all grand prizes, for sure. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, or we might say mature. Here's what mature Christians do. Here's how they think. Have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Uh, what Paul says, what I've just stated, forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward and straining for the tape, that's the way mature Christians view this. Yes. Now, I don't think the idea here is that if you've got a different idea, that's okay, or everyone's allowed to have their own thing, or God is going to speak to everyone. But I think the idea is, if you don't quite see it this way, but if you have your mind in Scripture, God's going to point out you're wrong. And I think that may be what's going on into that different attitude. If you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also. That is, it's not that God will reveal that you're okay. It's that God will reveal that you're off track. Well, I love the fact that I have the power to decide my attitude because it's let us have this attitude. So I get to choose my attitude. Now, I'm not saying that is easy. I think controlling your head, Mark Dunnigan, might be one of the hardest things. That it we is. Do. It really is the hardest. <laughs> it is the hardest thing to yes to, do in to life. choose your attitude and to act upon that choice. And so I pray about that all the time because that seems to need supernatural power at times. There might be another thought here, and that is that I could see like a new Christian. A new Christian really hasn't grasped the concepts that is laid out here yet, but he's going to eventually get that concept as he continues living the Christian life and studying God's Word. Yeah, just keep listening to God speak within the Scriptures, and many of your questions are going to be answered, and many of your needs met. Yeah, God will reveal that also to you. Stay with Scripture, and you'll get, you will get all the information you need. Yep. You'll get the answers that you need. You'll die with questions, but yeah, you're going to get a lot of the biggest life questions will be entirely answered through the Scriptures. He says, however... You might say, okay, but here is the standard. All right. There are so many times in the Bible that one verse clarifies the next verse is that if you're tempted to read 15 and say, well, this kind of sounds like that I can have any point of view I want, and God's uh, going to rubber stamp it. Uh-huh. 16 says, however, let us keep living by the same standard <laughs> by which we have obtained. That is, however, what I've said is the truth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God's. This, this is the standard. Yeah. God's moral standard is high and has been successfully lived out by the many faithful who have gone on before us that have done Christianity long before we have been given the opportunity to do Christianity. However, it's important because it just says, hey, this is the standard. Yeah. I like the word keep living, which means that one needs to continue to follow this and do this. I like where it says, to which we have obtained, that is, Paul says, this mentality of pressing towards the goal, I've reached a point of that mentality okay. in my life. But uh-huh. that doesn't mean, though, I can stop. That doesn't mean, though, I don't have anything to do. When you become a mature Christian, now the goal is remain a mature Christian. Yeah. Stay a mature Christian because you can easily regress and no longer be a mature Christian. 
Right. And it's interesting how standards don't change, isn't it? Because you think about in Christianity, the standards are the same if you are in Africa, if you are in Asia, if you are in New Zealand, if you are in America, and they're the same if it's 2022 or if it's 1822. Okay, so let's stop there. I think that's a lot to think about and strive for. So we will pick up next time in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 for our next scripture hike.